Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files. Forms for ordering CDs for these speakers and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Erica. Hi everyone, Erica Capulso Reader. I'm going to pass around my pictures before I get comfortable here. All right. Okay. It's good to see everybody. This meeting is absolutely an honor to speak at, and I'm one of the people that listen to these podcasts, and I they have done so much good for me. And um, happy birthday to the birthday people. I can't even tell where you are right now, but um, and to the chip takers. And for me to qualify today on this actual date is 10 years of abstinence um, out of a yet another relapse from hell and um, and I'm maintaining over 100 pounds of weight loss which is is a true miracle (laughs) and my commitment to the recording this evening is to not cuss so that's going to be a big feat for me thank god please carry that out I know that will happen and um, you know I just get a little passionate when I talk about this disease and talk about my recovery, and I can only say that with four-letter words most of the time, clearly. So um, I'm okay. I'm 44. I can handle this. I can do this. And um, my recovery, I was thinking as I was sitting here, is, gosh, this program is just the most important thing. It's the most important thing. And I remember just struggling through my relapse, I like to talk about it a lot because it changed me. It was like, oh, I have a friend that she, when we used to go through rough times or we would, we considered them rough times, um, she would remind me about the story of how pearls are made or how they are formed and how it's the rough, I guess it's the sand and the clam and it's rough and it feels painful and agonizing. And she's, we're, we're just purling. We're just purling right now. And for me, I know I'd be like, well, that makes it a little better. That and this too shall pass has gotten me through a lot. But um, so... As I was saying, my relapse was just, it felt like I was put on the spin cycle. It was, I was so rough around the edges, and I had been in relapse before, but this was in program. This was the time when I decided not to leave because I finally knew better that if I left, I probably wouldn't come back. And um, I did first come into program in 1991 when I was 19, and then I had a few years, and then I left. So I have my experience of relapse outside a program. That took me eight years to come out of. Um, and a whole other addiction that I dabbled in. So, you know, I don't highly recommend relapsing outside of the rooms. I know it's it seems like the easier, softer way, which I know I'm a fan of usually, at least my diseases. But um, relapsing later on after returning... In these rooms was the hum- the humbling. I, I was going to really focus on humility today because not humiliation. I know some people get that mixed up. I never have, but for me, humbleness is just letting go, and I don't know better. I don't know best. And my relapse was 11 months long, and I gained, I went from up like 150 pounds to uh, 220 pounds. And I'm the kind of eater 
where I don't graze, I don't eat a little bit too much, I don't starve for long periods of time. I try to hold, I'm the one that wakes up in the morning, it's a new day, it's a fresh day, and we're going to get this done. And then by 4 o'clock, I'm eating. And I had that almost robotic, once I was in that cycle of I could not break having to leave the house to go get food. Usually 4 o'clock was my, my started to be my witching hour. And um, very little could get me to refrain from that. And I was the crazy kind of eater that um, once it hit 12.01, if I was still eating, then I would eat through the day to the next day. So, like, I was so into that. The new day and the new time. And then I'm surprised my abstinence date is in January 1st, for God's sake, because that's how I thought. I always wanted to compartmentalize things. And um, when I eat... Um, and for people that are normies, and I try, I don't know why I try to explain this to people that don't have this compulsion, even alcoholics that don't, they, I, they've looked at me, and I'm like, well, it's like you're, you and alcoholism, and they just still look at me like, what, you know, but when I eat, I can't hold a job, I don't, I already have enough trouble as it is leaving the house, so when I'm eating, all bets are off, even, um, like going to vegetate on my mother's couch to watch TV is off. I can't even handle that. And um, the pain of it and the kind of bulk that I eat. Um, I've gained 30 pounds in a month several times. I'm one of those that when people see me and then they, they go a couple of months without seeing me and they're like, what happened to you? What? Ha-? And I used to work in, the, in a job where I was sent all over in different areas and I would be gone for three or four months and then we'd, I'd see somebody again and they would be in shock. They would be absolutely stunned at what happened to you. And what was I going to say? I don't know. Um, I ate too much, I guess, you know. Um, but I, I'm trying to prove the point of I just am the kind of eater that it's mass quantities of foods and my disease tells me that I can't find the right thing. I'm going to find the right thing. It's like this vision quest. If I just find the right food that will coat my nerves beautifully. And it's funny because I would have a couple of foods in mind that I'd had to get in because, you know, tomorrow was, you know, somehow I would get it together. And, uh, and, I, and then I would go to the store at like 11 or 12 at night just perusing the aisles, looking for the perfect things, and never finding them, never finding the answer, never finding the, the solution. And I have that alcoholic thinking that um, something will come along to challenge me or inspire me, and I will just hold it together, and I won't have to eat anymore. And I remember, for me, um, I saw the Beatles concert on the roof, and I was very late in coming to them. I was grow- I didn't grow up on them. And I was just floored. I was so inspired. It's like, oh, my God, I just can't believe it. They're so fabulous. And this is, like, lighting my fire. And I think that fire lasted two days. And then I was eating again. So that's the kind. I did well with the challenge with work. Um, If I had a job that I wanted to master and it was challenging and hard, I could diet successfully for a little while. Same with um, if I was interested in a guy. And God forbid they liked me back. Then I could eat like a little bird for a while. Um, but that never lasted either, um, and I never successfully kept, I never got to a normal body weight. The closest I got was that first, um, the first time I was in program, I got almost to a healthy body weight. So the fact that I've been walking around in a normal body size for at least eight of these ten years, and that I will meet people, including medical doctors, that can't believe I was obese. And uh, they'll look at me and they're like, really? Really? 
And that's that's amazing. That's amazing because I had the sick mind that told me my entire life that I would never, ever be a normal size. Just give up on it. You know, this is a pipe dream. And um, and I put all of my self-worth into that. Um, part of my relapse where it took off was I got to a certain weight and it wasn't good enough. And somehow I thought that I could suddenly manage and control my weight, which is a joke and a half. And uh, even Fen Fen could not manage and control my weight. Um, and so I just got to that point where... The humility was gone. The reliance upon a higher power was gone. And um, for me, that is that is such a power greater than myself. I mean, like, it trumps. It doesn't trump my higher power itself. But if I am worshipping the scale, if I'm worshipping what other people think of me, if I'm worshipping a job, I have put jobs before this program, I, I lose this. I lose my abstinence. And without my abstinence, I am, as I said, a mess. I am just a, a hot mess. And uh, is this for me, this water? Yes. Yeah, fabulous. Hold on one moment, please. So dry. So I was standing at a podium in the valley because I'm from the valley. We brought my valley girls over here today. And... Um, <laughs> And I was standing on a podium, and I am so grateful that my fellows got to watch me and relapse because I needed that ego puncturing. I needed that, uh, you know, I am the, I'm not going to say the four-letter word, but I just thought I was all that because I was abstinent. And even if you didn't know I was eating, I could go up and claim that I was abstinent, and you thought I was the greatest thing since sliced bread, you know, maybe even sprouted bread, I don't know, but, you know, you thought I was great, and my ego loved that, and when I when I finally got to the point, I even got to the point, because I've had sponsees call me, and they want to, like, add all these foods to their, to their abstinence, well, I had, like, I think 25 foods on my abstinence, and I laminated it, thinking that this could somehow save me from eating these foods, but for me, my food plan, my alcoholic foods, and my abstinence all have the same importance. I know that we're taught, and I, and I teach this, I pass this on to my sponsees, that the, the abstinence is perfect. For me, mine is. And my food plan is imperfect, but in Erica's world and Erica's recovery, they're all the same. Because if my food plan goes off the rails, my abstinence will go off the rails very quickly after it. Very quickly. So, um, I don't know where I was going with that, but, um, so I was standing at that podium, and I was in so much pain, and I had had weeks of binging on and off and getting short periods of abstinence, and... And I, I have another friend who relapsed around the same time I did, and we would just commiserate on, there's nothing worse than a, a head full of program and a belly full of food. And I hear that saying, and it is a pain. It is such a horrible, gut-wrenching pain, but I think that, that it's a necessary pain. At least it was for me. And um, I finally got to that point that night. I think it was a couple of nights before the 21st of May. And I just was like, when is this going to be? the most important thing for me, no matter what, without exception, period. Before a job, before a man, before my family, before my ego, before I think I know best, before don't you know who I am, I've already worked the steps 500 times, yada, yada, yada. I had to make this the most important thing. And, and as I said, it took a lot of pain to get me there. And when I'm in my disease... Um, I'm not only 
not functioning, but I'm either crying all the time or I'm yelling, and um, and I wish I were dead. So I really, you know, it's not anything that I think is a fun thing to do, but I know I'm an addict, and I know that that is my defense, my solution to everything because I wasn't given the tool, the proper toolbox. The, the, my toolbox had one tool in it, food. Food and maybe depression. That's the other tool. Food and depression. Um, and anxiety. Don't forget that one. And just getting to that point gave me the willingness to, over the next 10 years, no matter what came up, and we're talking some serious stuff came up because life happens. I'm no different than anybody else. But um, being diagnosed with um, a very serious heart issue, not being able to work anymore, wondering where I was going to... I had a year and a half where I didn't have a permanent home and I floated. I had to go thank God for people that supported me and were like, come and house at my house for two weeks. Like that's... I had no place else to go. Um, to wondering if, if dying was better than, you know, having the doctor say, if you get any sicker, we're going to have to give you a heart transplant. You know, that's the kind of stuff that, oh my God, the decision was made before that that I was going to be abstinent no matter what. And that didn't mean that I was going to be a raging bitch and, absent, and abstinent. It didn't mean that um, I was, I still had to work this program. And somebody mentioned the tools or the steps before um, I started. And yes, the steps change you. They change me. And I'm a big believer um, in working those steps. And now I'm learning after years and years and years with my sponsors, not goading, but gentle nudging, um, to apply them, to live them, and not just, because I'm the good student and I love writing them. You give me an assignment, I'll just write my heart out and read it to you, and, but learning to apply them in my daily life and recognizing when I do, and not just living on autopilot. Um, and so I want to talk about, like, what's important for me today and what's important, what I've learned, if I can remember these things, um, one of the most important things for me that I always ask my sponsees to do is to be 100% honest with their food. I don't care if they're eating thousands of calories. Um, I don't care because that was a turning point for me. When I was willing to email somebody my food every night and let them in on my shame and let them in on what I was putting into my body and let them in on how I was killing myself. My soul was literally shriveling up and dying as I was eating. And that, it wasn't even accountability. It was just letting it out, letting it, the light be shown, was really huge for me. And, and I don't, I have um, a piece around food today. I have sobriety with food today, which I never thought I would have. I used to have abstinence that was technical. I always want to say that. It was technical. I'm, I binge sort of and, and really blurred the edges, but I was technically abstinent. I've had 10 years of sober eating where the food is not my thing to mess around with. It's not for me to put my hand in there and go, now, that's not to say that I haven't, like, gone like this with personal relationships, that I haven't put my hand in other things that I'm learning. This I've been doing some in-depth work on steps six and seven, thank God, this in this last year, and learning that there's, aside from food sobriety, there's emotional sobriety, and that the humility that comes with surrendering my food to my higher power also... 
I have to have humility with my character defects and humility with how I live my life. And that's so freeing because I would even have therapists say, well, Erica, if you were able to put down the food and turn to your higher power, why can't you do that with the rest of your life? And for me, that was like solving the Rubik's Cube. I'm like, are you kidding me? That is not going to happen. I just can't. I just can't make those two meet. And I think the key word there was me. I, I, I can't make it meet. But my higher power can. And so I'm learning that, that steps six and seven are very similar for me, um, especially step seven, to the, the surrender in step three. It's just letting go. Um, and I love it. You know, my will in my life is unmanageable. My, my food is unmanageable. And how I deal with life is unmanageable. And I'm maladjusted to life. I've already said this. My toolbox was lacking. But now I'm learning that I have the tools. I have the tools of the program, which are incredible. Um, but I also have things that are, like, day in and day out I do that shape me to be a more humble and more serene person. And one of the big ones for me is um, meditation um, because, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm anxiety-prone. And uh, I used to bounce off the walls almost with anxiety, just almost just crazy town, like, oh, my God. And um, meditation has really notched that down a lot for me. And um, the other thing that I do that's really helped um, – for me, is to build my spirituality. I came in as an agnostic and then when I first uh, entered the rooms. And over the years, it's evolved into something greater than myself to now God. And just to really, I think my purpose is to just let go. If I could get let go tattooed on my forehead and it wouldn't be unattractive in my mind, I would probably do it. And I am one of those that... I can just be wound so like I'm coiled, ready to run some whatever, you know, like the, the fight and flight. Like, oh, my God, I got to, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And just learning to, like, breathe and, and to be reminded by my sponsor, my fellows, that everything always works out. Really, really, it really, really, really does. And something for me at the first of the year this year was like, that's going to be your motto this year. Everything always works out. Because my mind, after even after years and years of it always working out, says, but this time it's going to be different. And it's something horrendous is going to happen. And I can report today that I am learning that that really is a load of crap. That is really not the truth. And it's my disease trying to drag me back under in some other form. And the, not the fight that I have today, but the biggest part of my journey is not about the food today, thank God, one day at a time. But it's about trusting in my higher power, letting go. And about moving through, for me, um, social anxiety and keeping commitments for things that are fun and joyful, you might as well, in my mind, that equates to, like, going before the firing range, the firing squad. Like, you mean I have to go to a party and show up and, like, that, that is, like, beyond. And I finally called a fellow in program. I was going back and forth in my mind in agony, in agony, because I have the two people in my mind. I have the, you should be doing this, and the other part that says, I'm afraid. I have to stop. I can't do this. And those two have caused me so much stress 
and so much internal pain. And I finally called and I was like, I really feel like I need to go to this person's party at the beach. And I would, the last thing I want to do. And I can't stand to be in this spot anymore. And my friend, God bless her, she said, that's your disease. Your disease wants you to, just like the food, doesn't want you to, to do these things. And I went. And I didn't die. And I actually had a good time. Now, I wasn't having a rip-roaring good time because, you know, I got, a, you know, I got some work to do. But um, <laughs> the fact that I showed up and I... You know, and I can come up with, I'm not, I always have a valid reason, mind you, because I've been dealing with chronic health issues for a long time, and my body can manifest illness like that. I mean, I'm so good at, I don't know, I'm actually tired of that. I'm tired of that. So the more that I've learned to walk through these things, and I'm not saying that's perfect, I'm perfect by any means, this is very slow, but it's amazing to me, I'm like, after all these years, this is the most painful thing I'm dealing with. Are you kidding me? Like, really, it's not a really horrible thing to walk through, but it's astounding to me. And the other thing is um, joy, joy and fun. And, you know, they say in another fellowship, recreation and hobbies. What? You mean just not caring, just carrying out my daily routine is not enough? Like living like a robot and having the mindset of if I get everything done, then I can have fun, but it never gets done? Like that's how I've lived my life. It never gets done, therefore no fun is possible. And there's also been that feeling of I didn't have a lot of that growing up, and it's foreign, and it feels frightening, and it feels like I can only have so much. I only deserve so much. And um, but that's a lie. That's a lie. And my, um, I just recently went through my grandmother dying, and it was a, an agonizing death. Um, for me, it was. I think for her, too. Um, but I'm, yeah. Um, I can't say that because she didn't know who we, my mom and I were by the time she passed. But I'm grateful that she passed. But what that did for me is I got to remember that this woman was so enthusiastic about things. Like, life was so exciting for the littlest things. The littlest things made her so happy. And that's inspired me to want to do more things that make me happy, even if it's appreciate something that normal people wouldn't care about. Like, I have an actual love affair with trees. I think trees are the coolest thing in the world, and I stare at them when I go on my endless walks, and I think they're wonderful. And then I get to be encouraged to do things that actually fill my heart beyond that, that are stretching, and it, it sometimes feels agonizing to to have enough self-respect and self-love to go to the yoga class that makes me feel good or to go to on a, my, I went to my first on the first vacation in 20 years in October like wow talk about living in a small world in a small little state of existence and it's slow for me it is very slow for me because I lived my whole life hiding in a box in a in a in a room with four walls thinking that this was it this was as good as it gets and I'm never going to be more, and I'm never going to do more, and I'm just going to have this wrestling match with food the rest of my life. And um, so the fact that I can slowly, with acceptance, be like, okay, this is where I'm at today, but I want more, 
And if I don't do it and go from zero to 60 in, you know, a blink of an eye, because for me, you know, if I put my mind to something and I put a monochrome of effort into it, I want to be like, now I'm like walking the red carpet and I'm the social butterfly, don't you know? And I'm fabulous, you know. That's not how it looks for me. It's as my sponsor loves, you know, to encourage me with baby steps. And because for me, if it's not zero to 60, then it's paralyzed. I'm paralyzed. And I don't, because I can't do that. I'm not wired that way. Um, and that is okay. Learning that that is okay. I've, I've written and read pages and pages of self-criticism and how disappointed I am with myself. And the more I've accepted myself and celebrated the things that I have accomplished, the more I don't point the finger at other people and be like, well, if that person did this, they'd be happy. And if my mother did that, she'd be happy. And if this person did that, they'd be happy. And the world, don't even get me started on the world, you know. And I've learned that 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 softens me. Um, I also want to talk about just that, and I started to, but I got sidetracked because it's easy to do. Um, My higher power, thank you. My higher power is just, I can't do this. You know, they say in the big book, you know, it, it this has to come from a power greater than myself because I cannot get in the ring with food or my disease in any capacity and win. It will win every single time. So there has to be something that I build a relationship with that I can turn to and say, take this from me. And I'm one of those that I can famously or maybe not so famously you know just here's I'll give it to you for about three minutes and then I'll take it back again and I'll give it to you for a little longer and I'll take it back again and then finally I learn it's okay like I'm not three years old I'm not in crisis I'm not I'm not being attacked I'm okay it's okay to let this go um and that that has been an ongoing thing but what this program has done for me is um just increase my relationship with my higher power and um, really it brought me back into my church brought me into the studies of my church and to really just move forward with learning more about the spiritual side of things and nurturing that relationship and that that's slow in coming as well um, I always like to talk about writing a God letter in the morning um, just listing out for me what I what's troubling me what's on my mind what um, what needs to be addressed, and most recently, my sponsor and I decided that there'd be more um, kind of journaling in there as well. For me, it's like a, it's kind of like encapsulating everything in God's hands. Like, okay, I feel this way and that way, and then is that true or not? And then releasing it and turning it over and letting it go and asking for guidance and asking what I can do for my higher power today. Please help me to carry out your will. And then I'll add things like, please help me to let go. Please help me to have faith, trust, and belief that things are working out and that it's okay. It's okay. Like, I can let go and trust that things will get better. And I've struggled with that off and on. And it's, it's okay because I know ultimately that I'm never alone. And I was, you know, raised the only child with a single mom that was kind of there and kind of not. And so that feeling of aloneness was a very core issue for me. And I know now I'm not alone, ever. If nobody else is around, there's still a power greater than myself watching over me and watching over me beautifully. And I believe that same power is watching over everybody beautifully. Um, so I just, because I want to leave time for questions, but I just, I'm just absolutely grateful for this program. And I, for me, this is 
the only house on the block. I have tried everything I could think of and fantasized about things I couldn't think of after I heard about it later on. And I know that this is here for all of us and that what I put into my program, because I do work a diligent program day in and day out, it comes back to me just overflowing. So um, that's where I'm going to stop. Thank you. Now it's time for questions, I believe. Don't be shy. How do you deal with resentment? The question is, how do I deal with resentment? Thank you for that question. Um, the biggest thing that gets me to come down off my perch or my high horse is looking at my part. Um, and then being asked under the direction of my sponsor, where do I do those same things that I'm mad about in my own life? And talk about neutralizing things. Because I can be, I was famous for being the case builder. Well, this person did that to me, and they did this, and they did that, and blah, blah, blah. And to be, just to not even have the luxury to really ferment in that and go more to usually, and I think every single time in my case, I've done something to set that off. And and if that's not the case, at the very least, I do something, maybe not that exact same way, but something in my life similar. And the other thing that has helped tremendously is praying for that person. Oh, boy, has that helped me. Um, I've had a resentment against my dad for years and years and years, and it's softened. And then the more I get to know him, it flares back up again. Um, but that resentment prayer in the big book is huge um, because I don't like that feeling anymore. I don't like resenting people. And I firmly believe that the more I let go of my resentment, the healthier I get. And, and, I'm, not, and I'm also talking about myself, resenting myself and walking around in this body being pissed off, being upset with myself all the time is toxic. It's toxic for me. So um, letting go and forgiving and learning from those resentments, because I, I think they're there to teach me, absolutely, um, has been a key to, to open the channel to a higher power and healing and everything. So, thank you. How do you maintain your relationship with your higher power? The question is, how do I maintain my relationship with my higher power? Um, Prayer, I pray a lot through the day, even if it's as small as thank you, God. Even if it's as big as help me, God, or um, it's amazing because I feel like I'm socially incapable a lot of times. And I'll say, God, please give me the words. Please give me what you would have me do here. And things come out of my mouth that I can't believe. I'm just stunned. I'm like, wow. I mean, if I had just done that myself, it would have been awkward, and I wouldn't have, it just wouldn't have been comfortable. But every time I say that, stuff comes out that I'm like, wow, that went really well. And somebody I thought that didn't like me, it was such a warm and loving conversation, or it, maybe not loving, but, you know, it's not going crazy. But sometimes it is. Um, and then also, as I said, my God letter. And then I'm very active... Um, in my church and um, learning to be a practitioner and that studying to be a practitioner in my church just to um, deepen that connection. And meditation also helps. So anything I can do to build that relationship, but as small as just saying thank you, God has, has done wonders for me. So. How about forgiveness? 
forgiveness. Um, anything in particular about forgiveness? Similarly with the resentment, um, praying for the person and seeing where I'm similar, where I might have done something similar or where I continue to do something similar. Because usually if I'm not forgiving somebody, it's because I'm upset with myself for having that same characteristic. Um, not to say there aren't heinous things that are done to people in the world, that that's not always the case, but it's been in my case to do that. Um, and the more I can just pray for God to help me let go and um, just pray for them. Sometimes if it just comes down to, I'm really angry, but please bless them and help them to have everything that I want in my life. Help them to be happy and healthy and joyful and free and loving their life and, and bless them in all that they do. That softens me faster as well. And at, at some point, I don't feel that way anymore. So that, that's been my experience. Okay. Um, so when did I receive clarity on what my food plan should be and my abstinence and when was the obsession removed? Um, well, once I had relapsed for the second time in such a grand way, by then I already knew what my alcoholic foods were. So there was no... I was very clear on if I ate certain things, and for me the, the top two are uh, flat, flour, white flour, white and wheat flour in the flour categories, and recreational sugar. And I knew that if I ate those and a host of other things, that all bets were off. I don't care what I do stepwise, how many meetings I go to, and I'll wrap up. Um, Anyway, so I had to be clear about my alcoholic food list. I knew I needed to be accountable with my food, so I, I did something similar to calorie counting. I was finally willing to. Um, and then the, that with that and working the steps and keeping my focus on the steps rather than my weight loss, the peace came about the food. So thank you.